Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is a Lip Media Podcast. Sit, boo-boo, sit, boo-boo, sit. Grr, good dog. That's some bad hat not a doctor. Bye, have a beautiful from you Hello and welcome to Hunting Seasons, the podcast that dares to binge watch, deep dive and break down a season of television each and every episode. I'm Broderick Gordis. I'm Damask Lyric. And today we'll be discussing The Mandalorian Season 2. Two, mm-hmm. Damask Leary, how yes. are you going? Good. I did tell you earlier when we were driving the car to get coffee that I had ruptured my ear. Yeah. My ear drum. Um, <laughs> I did that yesterday. I don't know how it happened, but I got the like the arms of my glasses jammed into my ear. Um, so I went to the doctor, had a bit of blood in the old ear, got some drops, it'll be fine. But it's it's a little bit painful. So The way you told the story in the car, it was <laughs> simply the most horrifying thing I've ever heard in my entire life. I, I wanted didn't... to vomit as I was driving. It was awful. I didn't want to go into too much detail with the listeners. Um, I don't care if I traumatize you. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. Um we went camping on the weekend. Ah! That was fun. With we our respective did. partners. We were one with nature. We were right? one with nature. <laughs> it was wonderful. So one with nature, we decided to go on a picnic boat and go and eat. <gasps> uh, Brad was our captain. <laughs> that was fun. That was fun, actually. Mm. I did enjoy that. Yeah. It was the slowest boat ever. Like, I'm sitting there. The first, like, 10 minutes, I'm like, this is great. And then the more I was there, I was like, we are just puttering <laughs> along here. Like this, I am... Barely moving. If I if I was worried about my masculinity, I would be emasculated. Mm. But yeah. I don't have to worry yeah, about that at this right. stage. We did realise we were old, though, when, you know, the the cops were driving around checking on everyone's boats and they just kind of looked at our little picnic boat with our beautiful salad and <laughs> some kebabs and stuff and barely any alcohol. And they're just like, all right. And just drove off like, oh. <laughs> They're giving lectures to these other people. They look at us like, oh, these old fogies. <laughs> They're not getting into trouble at all. No, yeah. exactly. Uh, so this will be our final review episode uh, for 2020. Mm. We'll be back next week with a off-topic hot topic. There's been a lot of news to catch up on yes. through November and December. And we'll do a bit of a um, an overview of mm-hmm. 2020. A look back on the year of TV that was. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to that. In the meantime, let's get to our spoiler-free review of The Mandalorian Season 2. Let me clue you in. Season in review. The Mandalorian Season 2 rockets us back to a galaxy far, far away as our silver-helmed hero tries to track down 
others of his kind and figure out who will take the tiny green magic child off his hands. Many of Season 1's notable cast members return in at least some capacity, joined by a selection of top-tier new inclusions that are all pretty much giant spoilers in one way or another, though it is worth noting that Peyton Reed, who directed both Ant-Man and Ant-Man the Wasp, Carl Weathers, Robert Rodriguez... And finally, John Favreau, who's one of the showrunners on this show, mm. finally directed um, episodes this season. Uh, season two consists of eight episodes, each coming in at around 42 minutes, varying anywhere between 34 and 54 minutes, so a bit of a difference there, and took us approximately five hours and 35 minutes to watch. The Mandalorian will return for a third season at Christmas 2021, surrounded by roughly six trillion other Star Wars Disney Plus shows. So, before we get to our review, Damask, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts, or will you remind the listeners, please, of your thoughts on The Mandalorian Season 1? I really liked it. I think I used the word fun five billion times when mm-hmm. describing it. I loved its episodic nature, mm-hmm. the um, the way that we were able to explore the galaxy. Um yeah, I, I've had a great time with it and I was very happy to watch it, yeah. Very similar thoughts. I gave it a 4.5 out of 5. Um, loved the episodic nature of it. Loved that it was felt like an original tale within Star Wars mm-hmm. while also being familiarly, like definitely Star Wars still, yes. if that made sense. Um, and what was a spoiler at the time? I'm going to assume we can talk about Baby Yoda now. I think yes, that's a known quantity to. at this yeah. stage. It's a pop culture phenomenon. It's the hook, yeah. Like... The way this show was able to subvert any expectation I had for that show by just introducing this adorable fucking puppet that inexplicably just gets through all my defenses every time it's on screen. Mm-hmm. Even my girlfriend, who has no interest in Star Wars, yeah. will be like, will stick around and watch it with me just so she can see Baby Yoda on screen. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. It's, I mean, that that face. Those little cheeks. Anyway, overall, I thought season one was a triumph mm-hmm. and I was always looking forward to season two. Damas, do you want to start with your review of The Mandalorian Why don't season you two? Start, I'll go Rod? first. Okay, sure thing. <laughs> the phrase I kept saying to myself throughout the last eight or so weeks was I can't believe we get this little slice of Star Wars adventure every week. This is the greatest strength of The Mandalorian as it continues into and beyond its second season. The show is a pop culture miracle. There is so much to love about tuning in for 30 to 40 minutes of sci-fi fantasy escapism, which both feels like Star Wars we know and love and fresh and original at the same time. A lot of what was good about Season 1 has only gotten better in Season 2. The action sequences are bigger and better, often worthy of being on the big screen, and in one case, even expands to fill the entire TV, pushing aside the black bars of the anamorphic aspect ratio. The visual and special effects work has mostly stepped up another notch. Similarly, Ludwig Granson continues to treat us with his unique spaghetti western take on Star Wars music, Mm. doing more work than any other element to make this show feel unique in the larger Star Wars universe. All the CGI and explosions wouldn't mean a damn thing if I didn't care about these characters, and thankfully, the chemistry between the man with a bucket on his head and the puppet frog gremlin continues to be the engine (laughs) that propels this show straight into my heart. I don't understand how it works, but it does, and God bless this show for that fact. However, as the show has grown in confidence and scope, it contradictorily is at risk of making its galaxy smaller. I won't spoil any specifics here, but maybe a minor spoiler warning, there are a few notable appearances from characters who are recognisable from other parts of the Star Wars franchise. These are almost always exciting and fun, at the very best give important context and perspective to what's happening in our main story, 
but their worst come close to hijacking the spotlight from our main cast, imposing themselves on the story for the sake of, well, fan service. This isn't to say these characters cannot have any presence in this story. I'd argue they shouldn't, if possible, but that's another discussion. But if they are going to get involved, then care needs to be taken that's for the benefit of the main tale that we are telling. Unfortunately, that was not always the case this season, especially when we reach the conclusion, and we will talk about Mm. that in spoilers. I had a huge amount of fun with The Mandalorian Season 2, oftentimes more so than Season 1, but I can't deny the little bit of the magic was missing, particularly when I compared the finale episodes. Where Season 1, the stakes were incredibly high and the show hit an earned emotional peak, Season 2 gave me gave in to temptation just a little bit. May the force be with Season 3 that it can recover from a slight misstep rather than continue down a darker path. Mask. Mm. Would you give your spoiler for review, please? Absolutely. I think I agree with a lot of what you say. I think... Um our experience of the finale and perhaps some of the other elements are a little bit different. Cool. That's okay. We'll talk about that later. Um, so I'm going to say, you know, what can you say about something that is perfect <laughs> other than to state just that? It's perfect. I guess I'll just list the way. So you have characters that fill you with joy. You have your quirky, funny characters that make you so excited to see different aspects of the world. You also have faithful friends that make a cold and harsh galaxy seem full of light and hope. You have action sequences that are so engaging and what you dreamed of as a kid as you shot blasters and swung lightsabers in your backyard. And these sequences are helped by a growing affection for each character. If anyone is lost, you know you'd be devastated. You can't help but hold your breath. Formidable foes attack our heroes at every chance they get. It's been a long time since I have been terrified of anything in the Star Wars universe. Not since Darth Vader have I felt the true power of the Force or the evil necessary to dedicate your life to the Empire. It leaves a cold shiver running down your spine in this show. Finally, of course, you have the central relationship that glues this whole show together. Without it, this show would be far less. The cuteness of Baby Yoda and the stoicism of the Mandalorian quested to protect him. Absolute perfection. Seeing a grumpy loner put his life on the line time and time again for the one thing in the galaxy that fills him with love. Ugh. It just makes me weak at the knees and leaking from the eyeballs every time. I'm glad you said eyeballs. <laughs> How dare you? (laughs) There are a few moments that I could perhaps say are lacking, but they are so few and far between that it only seems nitpicky at this point. And the biggest that I can point out comes down to the direction. The story itself is full of high stakes and a big beating heart that makes you giddy for the following episode. So there's really only a couple of moments in there that made me go, Eh, not as good, but that's just because my expectations now are so high for sure. every episode because so many of them are almost standalone. Yeah, they feel like an event every time. Uh, this show has been a highlight for me for 2020. I mean, there aren't a lot of them, um, but this one just absolutely stands out. It was a joy to watch every week. It was a, almost a nice reprieve, and I cannot praise it enough. I t- highly agree. Like, I, I think I said this a bit in my review as well. The idea of just this little treat every week, mm. the last eight weeks, yeah. is is something special. And I, I obviously, I'm a little bit more down the season than you are, and we'll talk about that in spoilers. But in an overall general sense, when mm-hmm. I look at the entire season as a whole, and maybe even just try and ignore some sections of the finale a little bit, yeah, I can't deny how much fun I had, mm. and just how much I've enjoyed that this show exists. And it's so easy to love Star Wars when it's this quality, yeah, every week. Yes. So I just had a thought, but it, it 
contain spoilers, so I'll just nod at Okay, you. cool. We'll come back to that <laughs> as soon as we get to the spoiler section. We'll get to there very soon then. What's your score and ranking, I guess, as well, since we're getting... We do so many first seasons recently. I've forgotten mm. to do ranking stuff. Um, what's your final score out of five? My rating for this season is five. I Whoa. absolutely fell in love. I just had... It felt like an adventure and I was mm-hmm. so on board. And for the majority of the episodes, the pacing was wonderful. Like we, you get that yeah. episodic thing that I loved previously, but we were taking steps every time mm-hmm. to get where we needed to go. I Yeah, I really loved it. I really loved this season. Um, pacing is actually a really good point as well. And when we talk about that these episodes vary between 34 and 54 minutes, mm. That's the beauty of this. Mm-hmm. Is well, I've seen this go wrong for shows. Arrest Development Season 4, right, made the mistake of thinking, because we can make these episodes as long as we want, because we don't have to worry about ad breaks and stuff like that, yeah. we'll just overstuff them and the pacing falls out the window. In this scenario, they seem to go, well, this doesn't feel right, or this needs more, or this needs less, and make it work pacing-wise mm-hmm. for the story they're telling. Mm-hmm. Every episode is just the right length for what it needs to do. Yes. That is very, very cool. Mm-hmm. And so if I see 34 minutes, I go, great, this is going to be a nice brisk episode. If I see 54 minutes, I go, great, this is going to be a really fun, like longer episode, mm-hmm. event episode. You don't feel bad about either scenario there. I'm giving it four out of five. I gave last season 4.5 out of five. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's just some parts of this that mm-hmm. have me worried going forward. Mm-hmm. Um going to take a step down. It's still excellent though, and I loved it thoroughly and I do need to rewatch the season. I've only watched it the one time. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Ready to get 30 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20 20, 20 ready to get 20 20, ready to get 15 15 15 15 just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 
Before we dive into spoilers, we'd like to ask everyone who enjoys the show to please review us on Apple Podcasts. Nothing helps the show to grow more than by throwing five stars and maybe a couple of nice words our way. And to sweeten the deal, if we reach 25 written reviews on Apple Podcasts, we'll finally review Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 1. You said that in a really weird way. All right. We would also love you to share hunting seasons with friends and family who you think might also enjoy listening. Next week, we'll be back with an off-topic, hot topic, and 2020 wrap-up bonus episode. If you'd like to contribute a story or topic to off-topic, hot topic, or if you have any thoughts on The Mandalorian, you can write to us or send us an audio recording that we may include on a future episode to contact at huntingseasonspodcast.com or find us on Twitter at huntingscast. But right now, let's talk spoilers for The Mandalorian Season 2. You're now entering the Spoiler Zone. Spoiler warning! From here on, we'll be discussing everything that happens in Season 1 and 2 of The Mandalorian. Before listening any further, we recommend watching all of The Mandalorian up to this point. If not yet done so, proceed with caution. There are spoilers ahead. You have Have been been warned. Kids... I'm going to tell you an incredible story. Story time with Damask. We're back, baby Yoda. Mando and the kid are looking for another Mandalorian, which might help him find some Jedi. He doesn't find one of his kind, though, but he does find Timothy Oliphant. Oliphant? Is that how I say it? Yeah, Timothy Elephant. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Keep it in. All right. He's being the charming sheriff of a town under threat by a sand dragon. Mando offers to help destroy the monster in exchange for the Mandalorian armor that Oliphant has acquired. I fucking hate that last name now. I All keep right. thinking there's also the, what's what's in the Lord of the Rings. That's what it's I like, keep thinking. Oliphants. <laughs> Oliphants. Yeah, <laughs> who knows? Anyway, um, so he, Mando wants his armor. They team up. Uh, the townsfolk work alongside the Tusken Raiders and kill the beast. Yay! So Mando goes back to Amy Sedaris, who I love, with the armor, but without having met another Mandalorian. No worries, she says, because if he ferries this nice frog lady to another planet, her frog husband can tell him where to find some Mandalorians. He does that. Baby Yoda keeps eating eggs. Very yucky. His ship gets absolutely fucked up after being chased by some New Republic space cops and then by a giant spider. Oh, no. They eventually manage to putt-putt to the frog lady's desired destination. Her husband points Mando to a tavern. Mando then gets in a ship with some dudes who tell him they know where to find what he wants. They try to kill him for his armor, but some Mandalorians drop down from the sky and save both him and his baby. Phew! He asks if they know where to find a Jedi. Bo-Katan, the woman in charge, says she can help. But first Mando has to help them take over an Empire ship that is exporting weapons. Mando does this. Bo-Katan seems pretty interested in finding Moff Gideon and his Darksaber. Ooh. After helping, Mando heads to another planet to find his Jedi. An evil magistrate lives there and is torturing her people. The Jedi wants to destroy the magistrate, free the people and find the location of someone called Grand Admiral Thrawn which is an epically evil name. I love it. Mando catches up with a Jedi who is Ahsoka. She is very nice. She gives baby Yoda a few tests and reveals his name is Grogu, but ultimately decides she can't train him because he has too many daddy issues. Damn it. But if Mando helps her kill the magistrate, she might reconsider. They do this. It is pretty easy for them because they are both awesome. Ahsoka reneges on her agreement, but tells him to go to a special beacon on a mountain that DMs any Jedi willing to take on a new pupil. 
Mando and Grogu head there. First, they're intercepted by Boba Fett and Fennec, who want the armor Mando took from Oliphant. But then a shitload of stormtroopers come down and pew, pew, pew each other. Until then, another bunch of dark troopers fly down. They go pew, pew, pew. And Mando doesn't have his, like, cool jetpack. So he's like, I can't get to my baby. And they fly off with Grogu and kidnap him. It is very sad. Did I make you feel like you were there? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I thought so. Okay. Also, earlier, Mando was hanging out with his friends Kara and Grief Karga, a.k.a. Carl Weathers. Um, just thought I'd clarify that because if you're like me and can't remember a single fucking name from Star Wars because they're all so weird, that is helpful. All right. They take down a base and discover that the Empire seemed to be using Grogu's blood for infusions. I'm assuming to make soldiers that contain a shit ton of midichlorians, but who knows? We'll probably find out at a later stage. Anyway, everyone is sad when Mando tells him that his baby has been stolen, so they break out Bill Burr from prison, infiltrate an Empire stronghold, get Moff Gideon's location, and then blow the joint sky high. Now that they have the info, the recruit Bo-Katan and her lady friend and or life partner, who knows, willing to explore that later, Bo wants access to Moff Gideon so she can get that sweet, sweet darksaber. They board Moth's ship, the ladies pew pew a bunch of troopers on their way to the bridge, all while Mando heads towards where the dark troopers are kept. He manages to close the door, but one gets out and beats the living shit out of him. It is tense, but he manages to stab it in the head with his cool new Mando spear. Then he goes to where Grogu is. Moff is there threatening to kill the child. It's very upsetting, but they fight like clang, clang, ching, chung, clang, ching. Did that sound like a fight, Brad? Yeah, this is cool. incredible. All right. Moff surrenders. They all head to the bridge. Bo-Katan is pissed because the saber can't be hers unless she wins it in battle. People just don't respect a saber given through nepotism, apparently. And I, you know, I don't blame them. A fucking huge amount of dark troopers then fly onto the ship. Looks like our heroes are shit out of luck because they're in the bridge, the doors are closed, the dark troopers are just punching, going boo, 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 while Moff Gideon gives a beautiful monologue. So what's going to happen? I don't know. Maybe an X-Wing suddenly appears, it boards the ship, a mysterious Jedi jumps out and mows down every fucking thing that looks sideways at him. The Jedi reaches the bridge where our heroes are chilling. He lowers his hood. And voila! It's good old farm boy Luke Skywalker. He's there to pick up Grogu for school, which is nice of him. Mando has to say goodbye to his little cutie pie. He takes off his mask and tells the kid not to be afraid. Don't be afraid, Grogu. And then we all cry. And we hold each other. And we say, We love you, Grogu. Goodbye. The end. Deep dive. It's cool to know other people think about this stuff too. Just as you were giving us that vivid retelling that mm. just took me straight back to yeah. being there. Incredible you were like sound effect flashbacks. work. Flashbacks. You were like, oh, oh, oh. Yeah, I was just looking Waving into the middle distance, around. just like just seeing it all happening yeah. in front of my eyes. <laughs> um, just as you were going through all the, the names and stuff like that, and you said like in the first episode, um, they, you know, Timothy Oliphant, Elephant, and. The Tuscan Raiders. I just thought for the first time ever, I'm like, what is the preferred term for a Tuscan Raider? They've sort of now mm. become synonymous with like being the native people of Tatooine. They're yes. called sand people sometimes. I'm assuming mm. that's not the term they like. Yeah. And then Tuscan Raiders also seems like like they're being called, I don't know, something uh, like primitive or like Tuscan Raiders. That's mm. their term as they're known for like 
taking things from people and being like. But maybe that's their culture, though. Is it maybe like, it is like I don't nomadic. Like you know, you can have blah, blah blah nomads. That's what they do. Sure. Maybe they are right. I haven't spoken to one personally. If, have if, I. The, if anyone out there is a Tuscan raider, I apologise if that's insensitive. You want to write in and educate us as to the appropriate terms. I would love wait. to know what their preferred term is. I yeah. really would. Uh, you yeah, had that a is interesting mm. thought. You had a thought way back when we were doing minutes ago when we were doing <laughs> our reviews. Uh, something you thought of that you wanted to discuss. Well, I think we need to discuss it yes. because it was. I think where we differ. Probably. Oh, this is where I want to start too. Then yes, the same place. which is the ending. Yes, and obviously the introduction, reintroduction, the big moment. Yep. That uh, we weren't waiting for, but we got was Luke Skywalker traipsing in, being real cool, zoom, 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 and uh, taking Grogu away. Sure. What What are your thoughts on that? Uh, complicated. My thoughts are. Cool, right? Like, who doesn't want to see more of Luke Skywalker in this era? It's an era of Luke we don't really know, Mm -hmm. post-Return of the Jedi, pre-The Last Jedi, right? Mm -hmm. Um, He's gone missing by the time we get to The Force Awakens. The Last Jedi explains what happened to him. Yeah. This is an era of Luke that we just do not know about inside Star Wars canon. Mm -hmm. I am fascinated by that idea. I called it last season, I might add, Mm. that Luke was going to be the one to come and get Grogu. Now, I didn't think we'd get here by the end of season two, but it did appear like Mm -hmm. a likelihood that Grogu would end up there. He needs someone to train him. Luke's going to be training kids. We know that. We also know what happens to his school. However, the way it is done, it's the execution of the moment that really, really bums me out. Okay, Because, yeah, cool as fuck, right? Mm -hmm. Guy shows up in his X-Wing. As soon as I saw the X-Wing, my first thought was like, X-Wings, oh, is it the guys that we met earlier in the season? Yeah, I've seen a couple of times. And then it was one and they weren't talking. I was like, oh, this is fucking Luke. Yeah. Right? And like instantly endorphins rushing to my head (laughs) because that is exciting prospect. Yeah. Gets out of his, well, you don't even see his X-Wing. He's out of his X-Wing. He's wearing the dark cloak, green lightsaber, my favorite fucking lightsaber in Mm. all of Star Wars, I might add. I love this like part, this version of Luke from Return of the Jedi is my favourite. Mm-hmm. And then he's mowing down, mowing down, mowing down Dark Troopers and gets to the front. Now, this is where the problem starts. Oh, no. It is so unearned, right? Okay, so let's... I, this is where I reflect <laughs> back on the finale of season one, right? Yes. Okay. The show had made me attached to Grogu or Baby Yoda as we knew him at the time and Mando, Din Djarin, in a pretty big way. Mm-hmm. In the final two episodes of season one... They go back to the place where Carweathers is and Moff Gideon shows up mm. and we have the death of uh, Quill, right, who mm-hmm. is does so to protect Grogu. Yep. That is a fucking sad moment. I forgot about that, yeah. Because he was an cre- incredible character that through only a couple of episodes made us give a fucking shit about what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, we had all the stuff that was happening with the Mandalorians were at the same place there. We had the stuff happening with the... Uh, IG unit, the droid, the bounty hunter droid that was played by Taika Waititi. Mm -hmm. And like he'd been reprogrammed to look after baby um, Yoda. He had the moment where he took off the helmet off Din Djarin was the first time it happened. The whole idea of I'm not a living being. Like there were these emotional moments of Mm. catharsis all throughout. He then sacrificed himself for the sake of baby Yoda. Din Djarin, sorry, the Mandalorian was able to get past his like 
um, hatred of droids because of this. There was just so much happening character-wise here mm. that I didn't expect from the show, but somehow it had just put up enough dominoes to knock them over in that finale. Mm-hmm. So great. And there was we'd lost people on the way, but we, for the sake of an ultimate goal, that felt rewarding. Mm-hmm. This time, they show up on the ship. They pew-pew their way through without any real problems whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong, it's cool to see these, especially these four badass women who are doing great stuff on this ship. And mm. it's fun choreography and stuff like that. But they make their way through no problem. Yes, Mando has that great fight with the single Terminator-style mm. duck Terrifying. trooper. Yep. Awesome. But ultimately gets through that. He has the fight with Moff Gideon, which turns out to just be a ruse because that's all about not giving the dark saber to Bo-Katan. So that's sort of like secondary story stuff that doesn't really impact what's happening with Din Djarin and Grogu, who I care about here in this scenario. The two characters I do care about. Mm. Everything looks bad. And then Deus Ex Jedi shows up, who, mm. yes, we know the DM got sent out, as you said, in mm. episode six, but he shows up and just solves the problem for us and then stands there taking, A, looking horrific, like the CGI, the first time the CGI has ever mm-hmm. looked really bad on this show, is this... Uncanny Valley Luke that looks awful. I don't think it looks Once that bad. It but is yeah. fucking horrifically it's really bad. Not. And yep. I'll show you a video. Since this show came out, which has only been four or five days, mm. there's this deep fake person I show follow on YouTube who's done things like, have you ever watched the Tron Legacy? Yeah. And the the CGI face on young um, Jeff Bridges is terrible, yeah. right? Yeah. Has used deep fake technology to improve that. So far out of this mm. world. It's, it looks so much better. It's not funny, right? Yeah. In four days, his version of Luke looks so much better. And mm. it's like, I don't understand why Disney, this billion trillion dollar company, can't get mm. this part even a little bit right. But anyway. I find that criticism really boring. But but, yeah. <laughs> but he's still there. Yeah. Luke shows up. He's taking all the glory. He Yes, we have the emotional goodbye between mm. Mando and Baby Yoda. When the show ends, mm-hmm. it's the shot of Grogu with Luke and R2-D2 who happens to show up just to be R2-D2 as well, mm. and then cut to black. Mm-hmm. And that is the end. Mm. I don't get to see anything about Mando after this. I don't know what happens to these characters after this. I know there's more coming, mm. but it felt like it just hijacked the like Luke hijacked the emotional climax of this season and takes all... All the yeah, focus I don't and spotlight. Think I agree with that. Yeah. Right when I want to care the most about my main mm. characters, and Luke is just such a—it's such a huge presence of this universe mm. that it needs to be used surgically. And instead, they did this like it seemed like a riff on what they did with Darth Vader in Rogue One. Him doing the same thing with the Dark Troopers, mm. being the coolest, baddest version of Luke we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Almost like it was an apology to the people who didn't like what they did with Luke in, in The Last Jedi as well, I might add, but that's a whole other discussion. And then just sort I'm, of... Ugh, that fucking... Ugh, both ends of that fucking fandom need to just shut up about yep. it. I'm over it. But the... it, I, I, I went from being really excited mm. to feeling really hollow. Is that scene went really? on, and I've rewatched that sequence again to see if I was just in a bad place. Mm. And I and the moments between again, the helmet comes off, Pedro Pascal's doing his work, mm-hmm. that puppet is fucking being that puppet, and that moment, <laughs> those moments hit me. Yeah, beautiful. But surrounded by the Luke of it all, mm. and that no one's talking, we haven't lost anything. The fact he just came in and saved the day, and they, it just felt like 
like the all the energy got sucked out of the, all the tension and drama got sucked out of the room because Luke shows up to Luke his way through this. Just I don't know, it just didn't serve Luke the character all that much. It was fan servicey. It just was a, a very pat way to to solve this problem. And and then it just felt like a rushed goodbye between these two characters. And I'm like, I just I felt dramatically inert. And it really upsets me that, that it just because I know I still can't get over how well they got it right in season one. And I watched the end of season two and going, a lot happened, but mostly it was fan service The fan service overtook it for me in a big, big way. Yeah, I d- I'm ranting I, now. I'm going to stop. You've been ranting for a while. I don't agree with his presence detracted from the emotional core of what is the ending of that part of Mando's story, really. I mean, that's I assume he's going off to do quite different things in the future, particularly with all the kind of Bogotan Mandalore stuff that we've got this season. Um, I thought it was poignant. I like I cried in that moment. I think you say when Luke arrived, all the tension kind of evaporated. I don't disagree with you there. I, however, felt tension throughout that episode. And so at Yeah, the build up to it. Yeah, was good. so at the end then that kind of release of that was a moment of excitement. Being like, how the fuck are our heroes going to get out of this? After we'd seen Mando go through quite a lot of like very physical, quite terrifying battles with first the the Dark Trooper and then with Moff Gideon. Both those scenes, I was stressed the fuck out. We finally, we're all finally at the bridge. Ugh, that When the dark troopers arrive, there aren't any life forms. Fuck, what are we going to do? We're all fucked. How are we going to get out of this? Then you have that moment of release of, oh, we're Jedi's here. I didn't realize it was Luke immediately when the X-Wing rocked up. It's the only person it could have been. And, but then, yes, sure. and then when I saw the light tape, I was like, oh, it's Luke. And then when I saw the glove, I'm like, well, it's definitely fucking Luke. Yeah. And I was like... Oh, okay, that's quite exciting. But I was just excited to see a Jedi be a Jedi in such a cool fucking way. Like, I really enjoyed the sequence, um, just like I did with Darth Vader. I really enjoyed that as well. Okay, but just to counterpoint to that, we had three episodes earlier, Ahsoka, yes. a whole episode of Ahsoka doing mm-hmm. that. So it's again, if we didn't have the Ahsoka stuff, I think that might have made it hit a little bit harder too. Um, like, you would have... The, as in seeing a lightsaber for the first... Like, we've seen the, the dark saber, mm. but seeing a Jedi be a Jedi and do the lightsaber thing mm. in the final episode of this season, if it was the first time we saw it over 16 episodes, I think that would have hit me hard. Again, the Luke of it all does hit on some level just because it's Luke. Mm. But that a Jedi being a, doing Jedi things mm. had already happened just three episodes, three weeks earlier. I mean, I think if it's it's done well, I'm always going to enjoy it. Sure. And it was done well both times. So I don't need only one thing for something cool that I enjoy to only happen once and then after that's immediately depreciating in value. I don't feel that way. Same with like when Mando takes off his helmet. Both times I was like, oh, like that really well, means something it, in this season. But I see now I'm starting to think those all those things are exactly what you said. Depreciating in value is exactly how I feel about it. Because yeah, the I thing don't. that makes the Mandalorian special, right, as mm. a show is that yes, it's set inside Star Wars. But it seemed to have been taking its own path, right? Mm-hmm. It's going to B, 
be in familiar places and yeah, we'll we'll see mm. some familiar characters here and there, but we're not gonna it's going to be able to still keep its own trajectory, right? Mm-hmm. And so when he takes his helmet off in the, in the end of season one, it's so earned, right? Yep. Twice in two episodes, the helmet comes off. Mm-hmm. And so either the show is trying to make us not care about the whole helmet thing anymore, which I actually think it is trying to do. It's yes. trying to grow the character beyond that. Mm-hmm. But as it keeps happening, it does lose power. If he'd not done it previous episode, it would have meant more again this episode. It's the same with Ahsoka. If he, she wasn't here three episodes earlier, the Jedi lightsaber thing, the first time in the series it would have happened, it would have meant more. Mm. It just becomes those... Yeah, it, it's starting, it was starting to lose some of its magic a little bit by not... Yeah, it just didn't take those things as precious as they should. Again, it needs to be... These things can be done with surgical precision. Mm. And it seemed to be sort of just like, and now this action figure and this action figure and this action figure is going to no, happen. No, I think it's... I just don't agree that it, it, it sucked all the air out of the room. I, I can understand why you might feel the depreciating value. I don't. I think at every moment it was used um, with emotional intent and integrity to the character... And in that moment, it meant something and it meant something special. So I, it wasn't like, oh, well, they just did that to do that. What, like, what's which the I emotional think... special integrity of Luke showing up? No, I'm talking about the removing of the mask. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're not wrong about that. Like, yeah. they, they're not just, he's not just doing it for the sake of doing it. Yeah. In fact, this previous episode, like episode seven, whole, I loved that. Yeah, the whole thing is about like, you know, if you attach yourself to a certain ideology or these strict rules, then yep. you like a part of you, like your humanity is lost. Totally. Yeah. You can't really connect with people in a way that you should or protect those most in need, all that stuff. So whenever he does that, I think it's really important. I think because you think it's fan servicey to have Luke, and I don't disagree with you, doesn't remove... For me, it doesn't make me go, oh, well, th- I can't have fun watching it then. No, no, I'm not, I did have I'm, fun. I'm not saying that as well because I do have fun with it. Like the mm. like seeing Luke in this does mean something to me. But I'm looking at this in perspective of the show The Mandalorian. Mm. I think I would have felt the same if it was a different Jedi. Um, If it was a different Jedi, it would have been more interesting to me because as much as I don't know Luke here, I also do know what Luke is apparently approximately doing, right? Yeah. They're like, okay, imagine this happens, right? Imagine I we're doing a bat- super imagine- fans who have like this expectation of like they want the Mandalorian to be separate with maybe like some fringe stuff put in. If you weren't that familiar with Star Wars, Luke being in this episode wouldn't detract from it. If you weren't so like... I don't know. I feel like... If this was a Batman show, right? Yeah. And the final episode of Batman season was all about a very specific thing. Superman shows up and just kills all the bad guys so that Batman can get away. That's not... That's cool that Superman's there, but it doesn't do anything for the character of Batman or Batman's story. Do you know what I mean? Like, when when another element, a character we've mm. never seen in this show before, right? He, he just flies in, gets rid of the bad mm. guys... I don't and think then- we're at that part of the story, though. I agree, like... The first season ended beautifully. It's all about that character growth. This season was about the long goodbye. And we've had Mando come to that realisation. So that 
He doesn't need to grow in that moment in his relationship with Grogu. He's realised that obviously he cares very deeply for him. It is time to say goodbye and it's about that. Yes, I agree with that. But this is again where I think this is the Luke of it all overshadows that moment because by nature of it Mm. being Luke Skywalker, it just gets, he takes the spotlight. I think if you feel that way about Luke, it might. I don't feel like, oh my God, it's Luke Skywalker. It is such a grandiose entrance. So, okay, let's. I'm going to give you a thought experiment as to how this could have been done otherwise, right? Okay. The problem with the ending isn't just Luke. It's that an outside force that we that has not been earned, that is not a part of this story up until now, comes in and saves the day. All right, mm-hmm. that's step one. Then we have the goodbye. So, what episode, what season one did so well was that ending, like the sacrifices that were made, the people that died, what Mando had to go through to to finish this off was er- the jetpack was an earned moment for him. And so, when he uses the jetpack to get rid of Moff Gideon at the end of season one. Every element of that is like, it's like he's been upgrading and upgrading and upgrading and like growing and growing and growing to have this moment of victory mm-hmm. at the end. If, and I don't know how it would happen, but you probably wouldn't have exactly the same scenario. There was a moment of no hope and there was a cost to victory, right? Mm-hmm. Somehow Mando loses his armor. Maybe he's not getting his armor back next season. Um, maybe he gets wounded in some way, whatever it is. There's an element of cost that he gives something up to save baby Yoda or Grogu. Mm -hmm. And then after that, after the danger is gone, they're somewhere and the X-Wing comes down and a Jedi gets out and it's Luke Skywalker and says, I'm here to get Grogu and he has to say his goodbye. That would have been cool because we get to see Luke and Mm -hmm. earned because, and we would get to have, and it wouldn't be overshadowed by Luke doing his lightsaber stuff. Which is cool, yes, mm. but it would just it would you have had the real catharsis uh, from our main characters doing what they need to do to earn victory, and then the heartfelt goodbye. It's just because of the execution of him coming in, saving the day, so our characters don't have to do any work in that final moment, and then having to say say goodbye in the. And the shadow of Luke just being a complete badass that wrecks it for me. It's again, it's like the individual elements can work. Because while we know Luke, obviously, um, Mando doesn't. And so in the proving that he truly can look after Grogu, it makes sense for me why then Mando would just let him go. So I, I appreciated that. So he obviously says, I will give my life to protect Grogu. Obviously, he needs training. And Mando's like, okay, well, I know that he can trust him. That what you want of the the grand sacrifice and then... I, I, just, I just want it to be earned from a character yeah, perspective. Yeah. So what I was saying is like I felt that in the moments on the way to get to... Grogu with the battles, the absolute fear, his willingness to like just do whatever he needed to do to complete the mission to get to Grogu. So that happened in that first bit. It's only in that last moment where we have the the dark troopers and Luke coming through was kind of that was almost for me, for Mando to see, be like, this is what a Jedi really is, what they can do, who this person is. Sure. That would have meant more you, you again if we didn't have Ahsoka two episodes early, three episodes early doing the same stuff. Like, again, it just comes down to like execution and value and storytelling. And I think there's a muddledness to trying to have your cake and eat it too. And it, it, it's, wow, I, I can't believe how much I'm talking about this, but it really does bug <laughs> me this much. It's, it's the. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised because it doesn't bug me at all and I don't really yeah. understand why. But it, it bugs me for the same reason that 
I and this I said this on Twitter. This proves to me why I love the Last Jedi so much, right? Mm. Because oh God, here we go. No, yeah. I, but but the character of Luke Skywalker is very, very, very important to me and lots of people. I mm-hmm. think. And I don't want to claim ownership of the character or anything like that, but I do think it's important that he is used, that if you're going to use him, there is a reason to use him, right? Mm -hmm. And so The Last Jedi knows that you can't just have Luke being a badass for the sake of being a badass because that's dramatically inert. There's Mm -hmm. nothing going on there. So he has to have had a failure to have a new success. Mm -hmm. He just shows up to be Deus Ex Jedi and solve but and solve like, the story without it coming from a dramatic he character place. Like a character that then you need to like understand so who is don't and use all that. Him. That's the thing I'm saying. It doesn't bother people if you don't feel that way about Luke Skywalker. If you don't have like that this huge attachment to him, he is just a Jedi that comes in. You know what I mean? Like I think but it's that's, contextual. That's not the context of this story, this world, this show, any of it. That is not that is not the world we live in where you can't you if, can't just say I think if you love if it wasn't Luke I think Skywalker. if you love him and you see him and you can be like cool awesome I love that they that I get to see Luke be cool I don't have this kind of huge attachment to Luke so I can be like well he could be another Jedi do I think it's cool that he is there sure but I don't think it detracts from it at all I don't I don't think that's true every part of what the show is doing is making is reverence for Luke Skywalker at this point Everything it is doing in the X-Wing is the first tease. We see a Jedi, but we can't see the color of the lightsaber. Mm. The next thing we see is the is the green lightsaber and the glove. Bit by bit, it is making you realize this is fucking Luke Skywalker mm. being a badass Except if Jedi. if you didn't know who Luke Skywalker is, you'd be like, oh, it's a cool Jedi. No, no, because that's but that's the thing. It's like, A, that is just not... The show is it knows for a fact that you know. The show presumes and everything it's doing is built on the presumption that you know. If you don't know, sure, but it knows that you know. Mm. It's not doing it for the idea that you won't know who this person is. The reveal, the music, all of it is there because you know it's Luke Skywalker. So if you're going to use this element, you have to use it with surgical precision. And I think they use him as an action figure and it really at the cost- I don't mind that because what they have to use him as like this big- Character, I don't yeah, want that. He, no, but do he I, is. Do I want like a, a cameo of Luke? Sure, why not? Sure, a cameo. It's a bit of fun. But you can have again. It can be a cameo that doesn't have such direct, at, um, such direct impact on the resolution of the drama in such a dramatic, dramatic way. It is every part of it is all about the reverence of this mythical Luke Skywalker person. Every aspect of how they're doing it. it is He absolutely hijacks the story by just merely being, not just by merely being there, but by how they present him in that aspect. Mm. If it was, as I said, all the drama is done, we mm. get to a place of like the epilogue is that X-Wing comes down, mm-hmm. uh, a black glove you know, gets out of the spaceship, someone in a black robe, the hood comes down, holy fuck, it's Luke. Mm. He's the Jedi that's going to come and take him. And we can really just sit in the moment between Grogu and and Din Djarin outside of the need to have someone resolve the, the drama and the action as it happens in the moment, the danger. Mm. Then it works fine, I think. But... They only have him do this thing at the end. I I understand your argument that's there to make that to make 
Mando feel okay with letting Grogu go, but he was fine to let him go with Ahsoka because he's already at that moment. I don't believe this is a new step for him. No, no, I don't think like, yes, he was willing to give him he was to there. Ahsoka. But I think in that moment, he doesn't know Luke. At least with Ahsoka, he gets to know her a little bit. But with Luke, I think like he's been through so much with Grogu being taken. I think at that point to see Luke be so, not the right word, but competent in looking up after him, I, th- I think it was a good moment for them. The, it just, yeah, it, it, it is all about Luke. It just feels so much about Luke. Every part of it, R2-D2 being there as well, the way it's shot, everything. I don't see it as all about Luke though. I love that Luke is there. I love that I know that Grogu is going to be with Luke. That makes me feel good. But the emotional core of that is for me still between Grogu and Mando. And so then let's extend this back to the rest of the season for a second. The problem is, is this starting to feel like a trend, right, as well. Mm. So first season, there are hints Mm. and nods of things here and there. We see Tusken Raiders, we see Mm. Jawas, but these are side minor characters, details in the background Mm. that we're getting to explore a little bit more for the first time. Isn't that fun and exciting, right? Um, we go to some familiar places. There are some shots that are evocative of things. In fact, the, my least favorite episode in the first season was the one where they go to Moss Eisley and they are in the cantina and we meet a character who's doing the exact same thing Han Solo was doing in the original Star yeah, Wars. Right. And that yeah. gave me the shits because I'm like, you are breaking the reality of your own universe for the sake of trying to evoke- With a wink. With a wink. Yeah. But it's more than a wink. You've gone like- nudge, nudge me in the ribs with your elbows Mm. to make me remember this, right? Rather than just sort of vaguely allude to it. Mm. Then this season, we get Bo-Katan, who I'm not particularly familiar with. No, me either. But is a character from A Clone Wars. And I thought that was cool because that's a part of the universe that's not as well known to everybody who's been a Star Wars fan their entire life. Mm -hmm. Ahsoka Tano, fucking amazing entrance Mm -hmm. for that character who I've wanted to know more about for a long time. Boba Fett. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Who, this is where things started to go wrong for me. (laughs) Fair enough. Boba Fett is, again, something that you refused to believe was true that was Boba Fett in the first season that was the one that came and got Fennec off the ground. Oh, did I? You told me that was, um, you were convinced that was Moff um, Gideon. Gideon, yeah, right. I was like, it can only be Boba Fett. Right. Boba Fett comes into this and is, is, he is purely there not re- There are tiny little ideas about exploring the idea of what it means to be a Mandalorian, that mm. that Jango Fett was a Mandalorian, he was a foundling or something like that, yeah. similar to Din Djarin, and maybe suggest that. But really, he's there so we can give him some redemption as a character who got absolutely dumbass owned in The Last Jedi, who everyone just thinks is a cool guy, get him mm. his armor back, give Robert Rodriguez reins of his action direction. Ugh. For one of the worst action shot that. sequences I could, in the when entire I was season. Watching it because I watched that episode. Obviously, when we're talking about Boba Fett and Fennec, yes, with the the whole action sequence with in the, the stormtroopers. Yeah, I was watching it and I was like, "This looks like a show from 2002." Like the way the action was shot, so many, <laughs> even the staging was ridiculous. Like it reminded like kitschy bullshit, which I guess is like original Star Wars, really, but when you've got a stormtrooper with a blaster approaching someone with a, a melee weapon, it doesn't make any sense. And it annoys me to see it. I'm like, 
you could have staged that in such a, a cooler way. I also was confused as to where people were within the scene as it was moving along. Because it wasn't interested in telling action <sighs> in any sort of comprehensive way. It was like interested it. in being cool. Yeah. Have you ever watched... It didn't even look cool, though. It looked silly, anyway. Well, what it looked like... I, I understand what you're saying about this being 2002, whatever. Mm. I would argue it looked like a... Star Wars fan video you would find on YouTube. Yeah. You know, I'm going to make a Boba Fett fan video. This is what Boba Fett would be like if he came across Stormtroopers. How cool is he? Mm. Shot in this way. The Stormtroopers are are basically the putty from Power Rangers. They Mm. are just so silly and ridiculous, even more than usual. They they scramble in fear and try to get onto their... Like, uh, I said, did Freddie Wong direct this? I don't know if you know who Freddie Wong is, but he directed a YouTube channel called um, Rocket jump i think it was called Mm. and it was all about that they had access to some good special effects software and they made like cool action fan videos for youtube it looked exactly like that to me (laughs) okay and i've seen enough star wars fan videos in my life i don't need them in my actual star wars people made them that sounds like fun there are so many there are so many videos of like two dudes with lightsabers having the like their version of an epic lightsaber fight yeah you know what i mean that has again the problem is those videos, from an action standpoint, you can argue they do do some cool stuff in there. That's a cool idea of how to use a lightsaber. That's a cool idea to how to have a Jedi fight. Mm. But the thing they never have is any ties back to emotional storytelling yes. or storytelling of, of stakes of any sort. Mm. It's only there for the action side of it, which is what Boba Fett was. Mm. He shows up to get his cool moment that everyone's wanted Boba Fett to have for years. And apparently... What was the moment about his army that you were talking about from another film? What happened? Uh, sorry, what were we talking about? You said like Boba Fett needs to get his armor back because he got owned. Oh no! In the Last Jedi, he goes down like an absolute chump, right? So in Empire Strikes Back, he is like the the not the Last Jedi. No, did I say the Last yeah, Jedi? Yeah, that's why I was Sorry. confused. I was like, I, was he in I the say last? all the time. Yeah, I did that in the previous <laughs> review we did of the Mandalorian actually as well. Um, Reve- yeah, I, I know we talked about the now. Jedi, right? Yeah, yeah, I know we talked. So about yeah, it. he he. There was like character assassination. Goes like down like a chump. It's mm. still revered as this cool Star Wars character. Mm. They needed to revive his character profile basically. Mm. So they gave him this kick-ass gotcha Robert, Robert Rodriguez Robert Rodriguez action sequence that is only there to set up for the Book of Boba Fett, which is another series that's coming amongst yeah. the other 8,000 Star Wars shows I that we're getting on Disney+. I will be watching that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. Because like, like, I I have never understood the obsession with Boba Fett. Like, I'm sure if I read a lot of, like... It's just character design. It's yeah. the same with Darth Maul. It's like, again... I'm sure, like, like, though, if we're going, like, the extended universe, whatever, there might be some cool stories out there. I just watched the movies, so I... I was like, I don't know. We even had a Boba Fett like action figure or whatever, and I didn't even know who he was. I knew he was from Star Wars, but I'm like, yeah, cool. Um, so to have him arrive, I was like, one is just it's nice to have Fennec back. I really appreciated that. I was like, just because I love the actress and always want her. And now when? Yeah, being, so fucking so good. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, he's just like this cool dude, like this gun who's also cool, and then you know that people who are obsessed with him will be really excited to see him. But I didn't have that. I thought it was nice to have um, Mando have such like an incredible ally in terms of like not only fighting but that but then flying as well. That came in handy. But beyond those things, I don't know Boba Fett. I don't really know Fennec at all. Mm. Yeah. So all those things though that you're talking about, mm. like it's cool to have those things, again is where the last season did it better. Mm-hmm. Because who did he have on his side at the end of last season? He had 
Quill, mm-hmm. who's not really a formidable fighter, no. but is a loyal, smart, and like honorable sort of mm. character yeah. who you care about that he is going to help Mando in this situation, mm. right? That that looked after Mando when he probably had no real reason to. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, they build a connection. Yes. Boba Fett came for his armor. They decide they're going to help him because he had some sort of deal based around that the child had to be kept safe or whatever. Mm-hmm. But we don't... There's no real connection made between these two characters mm-hmm. beyond that. It's just there because it's Boba Fett. Yeah. It's, it's like, these, this, is what, like, this is the problem. This is the same with Luke. He's mm-hmm. just there because he's Luke Skywalker. Yeah, it's I like, think like these, these tenuous links around Mandalorian kind of like the creed or whatever, all the... um. Not their laws, but what they the culture, the or culture, the- yeah. So obviously, you know, you always stick by your word and agreements and all and all that jazz. And I just feel like those things were re- reiterated time time again because I feel like that's just where we're going as a show. Well, there was actually one of the elements I really liked about this season mm. is they seem to be playing like. There's, there was already this conflicting idea of what a Mandalorian was, mm-hmm. right? And this show presented in season one the idea that Mandalorians never take their helmet off. As far as we were aware, based on the Clone Wars and stuff like that, that was not true. Mandalorians take their helmets off all the time. Mm-hmm. What is this talking about? And this season, we meet some of those exact Mandalorians, yeah. and they're like, oh, you're one of those you're guys. Re- from a religious cult. Yes. <laughs> Which, because I didn't know, because I have only watched like a f- maybe the first season of Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really know anything about Mandalorians. Um, obviously, I recognize the armor from Bubba Fett, but that's that's about it. Mm-hmm. So this whole idea of, you know, they don't take their helmet off. I was like, well, that's that that's the rule. All right, that's what we're going with. And then we meet Bo-Katan and her cool friends. And she's like, no, you are from a religious cult. They, like, distance themselves from the rest of, like, Mandalorian culture. Um, they're fundamentalists. And I was like... Oh, well, that's an interesting element. Oh, my God. Um, which I, I really enjoy that. Getting a different Mandalorian perspective was really fun. I think this is kind of going on a, an, another tangent, but I was really worried when Grogu was kidnapped mm. and I was like, if like they, if you have to, if you, if Mando has to say goodbye to Grogu, am I going to enjoy this show? Because so often I'm just excited to see Grogu. I'm worried about this immensely. Yep. And so when I was watching it, because I've watched the season twice now, the first time I watched the episode without Grogu, the few episodes that are in there, and I was like, when are we getting to Grogu? Like this time, I'm not invested. I don't really care. And that worried me a lot. On the rewatch, particularly Bill Burr's, episode. I, I quite like that episode. I really liked it the yeah. second time. Yeah. I was like mm, a bit bored the first time. <laughs> I really fucking liked it because I was like, mm. this show can do. Mando meets X. They get to know each other through like pro- most likely fighting some kind of like big bad or bad of the bad guy of the week or whatever. Um, he forms bonds and friendships with good people, good people helping each other, mm. um, slowly progressing towards like a greater arc of the season. It was a really good show. There was no Grogu in it. There was an emotional like center of him taking off his helmet because he has to do what he has to do for his little friend. But I think the show can do it. And I, 
that made me feel a little better on this on the rewatch. That episode for me is ultimately one of the highlights in terms of the potential of this show to do some really interesting like focuses on the grey areas. Mm, yes, right? Bill Burr's character. Yeah, we're talking about like a fundamentalist. And then, like, him going out and experiencing different perspectives. Fuck yeah. Totally. Yeah. Bill Burr's character, who I didn't love in the episode last season. Fucking hated that episode. Right? It was my least favourite. Ugh. Totally. What the idea of the perspective of an ex-imperial person going back into the lion's den, right? Mm-hmm. Discussing oh. his relationship with the Empire, his regrets about him being involved with Operation Cinder, which is a good way, I might add, to... If you're going to make... Little connections and references to the larger Star Wars universe. Connecting, I don't even know what that is. You wouldn't. Yeah. I I barely remembered it until I looked it up. I was like, that's familiar. It's from the freaking um, Star Wars Battlefront 2 video game campaign. Right. Like, I played through that once. <laughs> and then I think I traded the game back in at one stage. Like, it's a cool idea of this, mm. like, post- the post-Return of the Jedi Empire trying to still assert themselves and, like, Death Star-type weapons, things going on. And mm. the idea of this character was there and that makes all of that feel a little bit more like a shared history mm-hmm. rather than... This is the thing about the Luke Skywalker thing. Shared history as opposed to, like, parallel storylines. As, in, as into everything has to come back to Luke yes. all the time, right? And the mm-hmm. Skywalker bloodline, yeah. which is also the problem I have with the Luke thing, even though I, wasn't, I was trying to avoid that. But the... Like, it just made the world feel more, like, lived in and whole mm-hmm. and co- cohesive. Mm-hmm. I loved, loved that. And then having to take the helmet off and what it mm. takes for him to do it. And him, without expressing or really saying it, him trying to come to terms with what it means to be live by this creed. And, you know, the that he is a contradiction because, of course, he is as a human being. Everybody, yeah. no one is purely one thing or another. It's not realistic or true. Yes. Yeah. That the potential there mm. is sky high. Yeah. Yeah, I I love those moments with Bill Burr's character. I think it's like May Maywell or, or something like that. Anyway, just those moments of, you know, obviously he's a soldier that has seen and done some shit. And so he knows and, but also what it is believed. like. Yeah, he but like, was a true believer in the Empire. Yeah, yeah, that's what that's what I'm saying. Is like so he he's coming from a really similar place. Yes. And just yeah, having this very simple but great conversation about, you know, if you're from this place, you believe this thing. If you're from this other place, you believe that thing. Those places don't even exist anymore. But, like, all you have to do is, yeah, you can try to follow something, but just make sure that at the end of the day you can sleep at night. Yeah. That's that's what really matters is that yeah. you are okay with who you are as a person. Mm-hmm. You try to do the best you can and that's all you can ask of yourself. And I was like... Yes, like that is the journey of the Mandalorian. Totally. At, at this point in time. Yeah, I loved it. I, I 100% agree. And I also loved about just something about that episode of detail I liked was just getting him out of his armor. And mm-hmm. because so often the armor makes him almost invulnerable. Like, yes. It makes him, when he's fighting the Dark Trooper, which is a great sequence and mm. very tense, and Ludwig Aronson's music is incredible in that sequence as well. I was having a heart attack. Yeah, yeah it's full on. <laughs> um, uh, like he's getting pounded into the wall, mm. but he's, the, the best guard just holds up. Against yes. even against the lightsabers, we found out, which is fucking crazy. I loved the visual of like the Beskar spear and the dark saber and the heating up. Yeah, of the how Beskar cool was that? So scary. I'm like, is is it gonna break? Yeah, I don't fucking know. Who, yeah. Which one breaks first is the question yeah. in that scenario, right? Yeah, that sort of stuff is very very cool. Mm. Um, so to get him out of that armor and 
it still felt like Mando. I had no questions that it was Mando. It never mm-hmm. felt like somebody, another character or anything like that, even though I can't see the character, his face on mm-hmm. like the sequence on top of the trucks and stuff. I was like, this is cool. It's a different take on this character. We can mm-hmm. see him in a more vulnerable position. I love that episode. I kept seeing, when I was looking online, people calling that a, a filler episode. Get fucked. Mm-hmm. That's possibly the most thematically rich episode of the entire season. Yeah. Like, I think like for... Most of that episode, it does feel like filler, though. And I think the first time I watched it, I was like, yeah, filler episode. Blah, blah, blah. And by the time you get to that really emotional point, I had somewhat checked out. Uh, like, I okay. wasn't feeling that excitement. It's a shame. But then on the on the rewatch, I was like, this is a really fucking good it episode. Is, it is building, building, yes, building the building is. blocks to get to that yeah, moment. You see at the this. End. I saw the steps when I. Yeah. After I'd watched, I was like, "Oh, okay, this is going to be great," and it and it was. Yeah. Absolutely. Um. What about Grogu and Baby Yoda this season? Grogu <laughs> slash Baby Yoda. Um. Very cute. There was a lot of controversy around the eggs. The eggs. Yeah. How do you feel about the eggs? I mean, that episode we see him. There's quite a few moments this season actually where we see him eating disgusting things. So we have the eggs, which morally feels morally bankrupt to me eating this poor woman it's the last of her line eating his egg eating her eggs um to be fair as far as i'm aware they were not fertilized they weren't they weren't so it's i thought it was horrifying but funny so i didn't have a problem with it i think some like moments like that make me go what is his understanding of things it makes me question that that i liked about it yeah so Let's use a D and D alignment chart Please for a second, do. right? Love that. Yeah. Baby Yoda, as far as I can tell, is pretty much smack bang in the in neutral. Yeah. Right. He is neither good nor bad. Mm. We've seen this ever since season one. He has the potential to choke people out to protect the people that he's connected Love to. That. Yeah. That is a dark side power, yes. right? Luke is seen using it a bit in, the, in Return of the Jedi, but that's the whole idea. Is he's sort of trending towards the dark side a little yeah. bit, right? Baby Yoda is is a nature versus nurture argument. Yes. He doesn't have a He's specific alignment. at this point in time. So what happens now is of the utmost importance. So, and yes. this is when he gets to Ahsoka. And this is the thing about the eggs to me, right? It's like, yeah, it's crazy that baby Yoda would eat this woman's eggs. But also <laughs> that is exactly what the character, they're, try, they're, they're, they're communicating an idea to you here. Mm. It's not just for the gag, though it is obviously made to be funny. Mm. It is to communicate to you that he doesn't have a moral code. He's yes. a he is a baby. He is a baby who was being trained up by Jedi. We find out some someone took him from there, and then he basically doesn't remember what happened for the last fifty years or twenty years or so. Yeah, it's like it's a very confusing and complicated past he has. We t- it turns out um, the fact that he actually was on Coruscant around the same time that Anakin came and took mm. out all the Padawans and the younglings is really interesting too. But Ahsoka says it best. It's like I can't train him. He has a lot of fear He's in him. He's fucking full of it. He's yeah. super attached to you, mm. and that makes this really I've hard to do. I've seen this before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And there, and are- like, I love the palpable <coughs> fear in us in Ahsoka. Like, you see that, you know, she likes Grogu and is not scared of him, but the fear, obviously, because of her history of like adding to that like cycle of destruction, yeah. by being flippant with. Who you train? She's like, just just let it fade away, which I didn't know was a thing. That if you just didn't no, train that them. was new too. But it okay. makes sense as well. Like the idea is that like if left 
um, you know, it, it, he might keep his powers to some degree, but he'll never fully harness them to the point yeah. of being dangerous. Yes. He needs to be trained to use it. So mm. maybe best just to let him sort of move on into other, you know, the rest of his life and mm. not harness this and become dangerous or, mm. or powerful in general, one way or the other. Yeah. Um, I love that. And if you know the character of Ahsoka, you understand her relationship to Anakin and Darth Vader. Yeah. Uh, you also understand her relationship to Yoda. So, like, seeing this baby Yoda thing, and might I say as well, when she says his name and the very, very faint echoes of Yoda's theme from <laughs> The Empire Strikes Back, mm. just two notes, mm. but enough for you to just get tingles down your get spine. Get wistful. Like, mm. Oh, my God. Mm. <laughs> um. And her echoing the the idea of much fear I sense in you, yeah. I believe is what she said. I sense much fear in you, sorry. Which is Yoda's line to Anakin in episode one, which she should never could have never known that, but She just senses fear. Just stated the point. Yeah. Oh, I, I I I I'm mm. like that character is fascinating to me because Ahsoka and Baby Yoda, it's such good use mm. of the history of these characters yes. in that moment. I really Really liked that episode. I was Me too. excited by it. I mean, just the simple visuals, that opening yeah, incredible. of Ahsoka is so cool. Incredible. I was, yeah, I was giddy. I was mm-hmm. like, fuck you. Yes! And I'm not even that connected to I'm not Clone con- Wars. Me at all. Like, yeah. I don't care. I obviously, like, recognize the visual of the character. Mm-hmm. I've seen bits of her storyline from, like, the first season. Mm-hmm. I know that she's beloved. I know mm. people were excited about the the possibility of her being in The Mandalorian, though I don't think I had seen any confirmation of that. Yeah, there was reports that Rosario Dawson had I, been cast I, and I stuff. I knew that yeah. much, yeah. Um, and so to, to see it, like just the kind of terrifying power of like in the dark, being invisible, so un- untouchable, oh. and then zhu, 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 and then gone again. It was a great opening. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to see her kindness and um, stillness and you're like, oh, yes, that is a Jedi to me. Like all of those elements were there. It made me really excited. I'm like, I'm sure if I was a kid and I'd watched that, I immediately would have gone to the backyard and just played Star Wars after watching that episode because it was so fun, so epic. All the elements that you loved as a kid were right there. Yeah, it, yeah, I thought it was a great use of Ahsoka. A hundred percent agree. Mm. Beautiful use. And I can't wait. Ahsoka, the TV series, or the limited series at least, has been announced. Mm-hmm. They even set up her idea here. She's after Grand Admiral Thrawn. Thrawn, I think, yeah. Who is a character originally from the Expanded Universe that people love. Yeah. Who was who reintroduced into Rebels, I believe, and sort of like took that character wholesale. Mm. And it's not the same storyline exactly, but in a similar position yeah. and like... Do you think we'll see Grogu again, like soon? I personally, yeah, personally, what you were saying earlier about the fear of a post-Grogu Mandalorian terrifies me. (laughs) Okay. Because while episode seven proved what you can do with that character without Mm -hmm. Grogu, Grogu, there are very few characters around the Mandalorian that I care about. Mm -hmm. And mostly the reason I care about him is because he cares about Grogu, right? Mm -hmm. Without Grogu in it, I really worry that I'm. It's just going to be a bunch of cool action shit. Like you look at everybody else who was around him on that ship in the in the final episode. They're all just a bunch of badasses who I don't actually care about as characters. Mm. I don't care about Bo Katan. I don't care about 
Um, yeah, I think this show is probably going to go in a direction that you don't like. I think it, it might be kind of um, a companion piece or something intertwining with something like the Clone Wars, with all the Bo-Katan stuff, with all the Mandalore stuff. That's the stuff. feeling I'm getting as well. I think that's the journey we're going on is to like, because I don't really know where all that stuff ends up, if there, if it is cemented or not. But I'm seeing like a reluctant ruler narrative of Mandalore. Yeah. At, at, you know, this might be a six season arc or whatever, but I'm seeing like something where there's a lot a lot of, I mean, it's called The Mandalorian. Well, the thing is the title is a great title ultimately because I think it can go in so many different directions. Yes. It can just mean the character of Mando, right? Mm-hmm. The Mandalorian can be used as a plural to mean the Mandalorian people, yes. at which point <laughs> we explore the Watch or whatever his, his sort of cult is versus mm-hmm. Bo-Katan's version of what Mandalore is meant to be and that in general. Yes. I rewatched the finale of season one mm-hmm. when Grogu is holding the Mandalorian pendant thing, right? Mm-hmm. The idea is that he is a foundling. He is a Mandalorian at that point. Mm. The Mandalorian means Grogu. Yes. Part of me truly thinks that this show needs Grogu to come back because I think it's as much his story as it is. Mm-hmm. I... My hope, getting into predictions, hopes, concerns here for a second, is that he's going to go with Luke for a while. Yes. And then Luke's going to be like, I actually can't train this kid. (laughs) I think at least like two seasons, Grogu will be gone. I was thinking two episodes. (laughs) Really? Yeah, I'm thinking two episodes. I don't think it's going to be that long. Okay. I just, I truly believe that this show needs him sooner than later. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I wanted, I did think that and then I rewatched. I think if they are able to create bonds with Mando and other people. Because I think of, yes, Grogu is around a lot. But when you look at a lot of the episodes, Grogu is put into a room while Mando has an adventure. So this was my thought. So he just needs to build bonds with those people he's on an adventure with and slowly maybe collect some really good characters around him. Yeah, the, the, the problem is that every character around the Mandalorian seems to just be the next version of a badass, right? The next version of, like, uh, a super cool, already complete assassin mm. fighter person. They're mm-hmm. all like that, Yeah, Mandalorian included. The thing when you're talking about the Mandalorians and become more like Clone Wars or Rebels is they're often... Those are a group of misfits. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Clone Wars, not so much because they're all Jedi. Yeah. But Ahsoka was the reason Ahsoka made the Clone Wars work, I think, as someone who hasn't really mm-hmm. watched it, is that she had to be the outsider who came in and is building herself from the ground up, right? Yeah. Rebels, from what I've seen of it again, mm. is a group of misfits. A Mandalorian, uh, an alien pilot, there's a droid in there, there's a couple of Jedi, right, yeah. who are out of their place now. And so that ragtag group come together like Star Wars does and mm. they become family and that's what you yeah. care about. That's why I think if they have characters like Bill Burrs, who is, well, yes, a badass, is a broken person. Sure. Um, which I think is an important element. So if they're able to capture that and like just get a bunch of broken people with like different capacities in terms of badassness or whatever coming together or, or surrounding Mando, I think it really could work. The... Yes, I, it could. I mean, characters like Kara and stuff are good to like drop in every now and then when you need help. Well, it sounds like but everyone's she's... getting their own show, though. Like, Bo-Katan's probably going to stick around because she's going to be important to Mandalorian stuff, yes. right? But Kara is going, looks like is getting her own show or going to be part of the show, Rangers of the New Republic. Boba I'm not watching that. <laughs> Boba Fett is getting mm. his own show with the Book of Boba Fett. Yeah, I'll watch that. And, and with him goes Fennec. Yes, that's... 
probably will. I'll watch that. Yeah. So Mando's kind of back on his own. Well, that's what I mean. Moment. Like it's now is the time to meet those new people so he can, you know, be on the show without the, you know, emotional pull of Grogu or really the, oh, of Grogu being on screen. From time My to time. thought is mm. what they might do, right, is a bit of a time jump. Have, mm. um, which is possibly why the book of Boba Fett's going to come out just before The Mandalorian 2 is to give us a little bit of like, here's what happened in between, set up the new status quo for when we return to The Mandalorian. Yep. Um, maybe Grogu will go with Luke for a little bit, just enough time that he can sort of have a bit more control and be a little bit more actually a presence that can be involved in the mm-hmm. in the story rather than sort of that thing that has to be put in a preschool yeah. childcare centre while they go and do adventures. Yeah. So, quick question. Yes. How... How old can a, a Yoda be? Yoda was something like around the 800, 900-year-old mark. Oh, shit. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. very, very, very old. Yes. So, I was like, how long until Grogu gets a little bit bigger? Yeah. That's what we don't know, right? Yeah, okay. And we don't know whether his growth is a little bit stunted. Maybe spending time with a Jedi and Aww. working on his skills will allow him, not in terms of height, but in terms of like maturity to become. Yeah. I can imagine a scenario where he remains mute. But maybe he communicates with Mando the same way that Ahsoka and him were communicating, sort of like telepathy. Mm-hmm. And so Mando will end up sort of just saying the thing. Like, you know how C-3PO and R2-D2 have that relationship yeah. where C-3PO says what R2- Just reacts to that. Reacts yeah. it so you understand what R2-D2 said. Maybe that's the relationship we get to. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my theory. And I can't, I just can't get over how strong the show is because of this father-son relationship mm. they have. That to lose that, I'm- the heart is gone. <laughs> and it really, really worries me about this show. Um, yeah, I think, I I don't know, I, I would be happy to watch I also just, Depressed I, Dad learns more about his emotional internal world through adventures and meeting new people for a season or two. And then he reunites with his son, which is going to have me bawling, obviously. <laughs> like, I'm... I'm okay with that, I think. I'm I'm not as panicked as I, I previously was. I also say from the scenario that I actually thought the show did such a good job with making me intrigued by Grogu the character that I do want to know what happens next. His story isn't done. Oh, it's definitely like, not done. Him no. be going to Luke just begs the question of, is he there when his school gets destroyed? Because that sucks. Grogu yeah, died. Yeah, is <laughs> like, really fucking... Yeah, because if he has to... Well, that's quite a bit in the future, isn't it? It's about 10 years later that happens. Is that all? Yeah. Luke ages terribly. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Ten, um, 10 to 15 years, something like that. And okay. then and that's 10 to 15 years and then Luke goes into hiding for a, a number of years as well. So yeah. there's like- but I was thinking like in terms of the flashback, <clears throat> Luke looks significantly older. He looks in between. Uh, yeah, he, yeah, you're right. He, he does. does. He's growing the beard. <laughs> well, uh, maybe that's just a Jedi thing because it happened to Obi-Wan as well. Like You think about where Obi-Wan was ha- at the yeah. end of Return of uh, Revenge of the Sith and then where he was at A New Hope. And that's about an 18-year gap and he aged about 40 years, it yeah. appears. Um, like, that's just a Star Wars thing at this point. Maybe we'll just skip 10 years after like Grogu's managed to escape the onslaught. I'd be happy with that. And comes to see Dada. Any last words? Final thoughts. That's why you always leave a note. What are your theories around what exactly the Empire, the remnants of the Empire, are doing with Grogu's blood? Um, 
considering this show seemingly wants to keep pulling us back towards the mainline stories, it, my theory... So, my theory last season was that um, Moff Gideon wanted to use Grogu's blood to sort of become a, a Force user himself. Mm-hmm. That's still quite possible. He does have the Darksaber, though. He's now used that as a tool to, like, undermine the Mandalorians more than anything else now, rather mm. than really suggest that's what he wants to be. He still looks Darth Vader-ish, so maybe that's going on. Yeah. Could they be making some sort of super trooper sort of situation? Super trooper. <laughs> Considering yeah. they had dark troopers, again, that's a nod to a video game I might add as well. That's Dark ah. Forces, which is like a 90, 1990s video game. Um, the Maybe that's the next step for him, is to go from like droids to maybe force-sensitive droid stormtroopers, something like that. No idea. Right. The because of the cloning tanks and because of how they looked in the episode four, the siege episode, mm. I'm leaning further and closer and closer towards the idea that they create. This is them like creating Snoke, right? Yeah. This is the Empire creating the next person to lead them yeah. into the um. What are they called? The Resistance? No, not the Resistance. The the First Order. The right? Yeah. Yeah. That that is the end. This is. He is somehow being directed by Palpatine from the sidelines, being told to start to create this sort of thing mm-hmm. so that he can have this em- emperor puppet he can yeah. use. That is my guess. Yeah. Yep. What about enough. you? I mean, something similar. I particularly, I was like, oh, it's building towards, what do they call First Order? Yeah, First Order. I always want to call them New World They're the Order, Empire. But... They're just the Empire. Yeah. <laughs> the Empire, Empire 2.0. 2. 2. Yeah. yeah. Um, when the guy in Bill Burr's episode is just talking about, you know, people think they want freedom, but really they just want order and stuff. I was like, okay, they're probably building towards that. I assumed it was because the guy, they keep calling the the doctor guy, he's a clone yes. specialist dude. Which so I, was hinted in the first season that yeah. is official now. Yeah. Yep. So I was like, oh, well, they're probably just going to try and build like an army of force-wielding dudes really um but yeah just something vaguely in those just taking his his well, like that, i'd like the fact they said m count because they mean, don't want to say midichlorians <laughs> i like that <laughs> like, too that's funny. it is yeah. interesting though it's like what's the most interesting version of this is it interesting to just say we're making force wielding like mm. soldiers because like we've had jedi we've had sith like these things yeah. exist already i think it's more interesting and yeah, a little bit reductive because, again, it has to... I suppose if this is the story of how the Empire became the First Order, it makes sense. It's got something to do with Snoke. I think that's yeah makes the most sense. Mm. Um, I really want... I do, I'm not really interested in the Snoke stuff or the First Order or whatever the fuck. But I am every time... I'm really interested by Bo-Katan. Yep. I really want more of the I think we're gonna get Mandalorians, which I think is what's happening, and that excites me. I really kind of want this rebuilding of this lost civilization, yep. who's going to rule all that stuff, which is very different from what I perceived the show to be at the beginning and mm-hmm. what it was, I think, at the beginning. But I'm okay with that. Well, that's... Again, I'm talking about this as an outside of the show, but I'm familiar enough with them is, is apparently what Rebels sort of starts out as. It's yeah. like, it seems like it's going to be one thing and then it sort of all of a sudden Ahsoka enters that story as well and yeah. it becomes more about this thing and like yeah. has grander ties to the overarching story yeah. of the plot. And it's this is something that does worry me now. It's more and more, it seems like Dave Filoni's job is to fill in the gaps, mm-hmm. right? He's been like, make a show. 
make us fall in love with the characters, then use that to like fill in the plot holes we couldn't get couldn't be bothered dealing with. Yeah. In this case, how'd the first order come about? Where'd Snoke come from? Um, what was Luke like between between now and then? Like it's like what it it's just sort of filling in the gaps. Yeah. Um and there's value, I guess, in that. But But unnecessary. I, I don't I don't care that much. Yeah. I don't like, I understand if you're, and again, it's like, it's almost like it's a reaction or an answer to the things that people were upset about with the movies. Oh, Snoke ended up being not important. He was made out to be so important. Why Snoke? Here are your answers. So you're going to be able to find out what Snoke was all about and Mm. give you some closure on that. Do we need it? Does it matter that much? I would rather you just you Not told to me, me an original, really. interesting story with interesting characters in an interesting world. I don't need everything to be answered. Yes. That's where I'm at. Yeah, no, that, that's fair. I just, as soon as, <laughs> I mean, I love, I'm in love with Bo-Katan. I mean, she scares me because I think she's kind of evil, which I like. It's confusing. She's morally complex. Yeah, but I, as soon as she appeared, I started re-watching Battlestar Galactica. Oh, I did just you? love Katie Sackhoff. I think yeah, it was great. very cool to see. I didn't recognise her at first. Oh, really? Uh, I was like, I think that's Katie Sackhoff, but I'm not mm. really sure. And then I had no idea she played Bo-Katan in the Clone Wars animated series. Really? She she does the voice of that character oh, too. Oh, cool. Which is what's so cool. That's, yeah. So that's she's, she is she embodies this character both yeah. in every iteration of that character on screen now. And I really enjoy, cool. yeah, because I, as I watched it because I didn't know that fact. The way that she was speaking, I was like, oh, she must be like doing a version of that character because it's so, her cadence is so epic and mm-hmm. almost like what you would hear. Not that it's cartoonish, but it sounds like that level of dramatization of like pointedness and almost like a husky to it if, when she's talking about a, a dark saber and that kind of stuff. I was like, okay, that's cool. How fun. Yeah, it is I very like cool. that. Um, I already pointed out that I was right about Boba Fett and Luke. Mm-hmm. Just gonna rub that in a little bit. Um, <laughs> I we, we already said we liked the the dark troopers. I just yeah, that was terrifying. Yeah. Fat use of Yoda's theme. I loved the tiny little handcuffs on Grogu when oh, he was. Oh, little hands! But where did they come from? Um, little hands. Bryce Dallas Howard directed episode two or three. It was three, yeah, which was the one on like the rainy planet where we introduced to Bo-Katan. Mm-hmm. The start of that episode is um, the Razor Crest, which is gone, by the way, which is really upsetting R. I. me. All right, P. Razor Crest. Does that mean they're just going to be in the slave one? From- no, Boba Fett's got the slave one. Anyway, um, the as they're entering the atmosphere to land at the start, there is almost a shot for shot um, recreation of the uh, a capsule entering the Earth's atmosphere at the end of Apollo thirteen. Oh, really? Which happens to be directed by her dad, course, Ron Howard. Yeah. thought that was very cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, also, something I loved in the last episode, before they get on the the light cruiser, they hijack like the um, the shuttle and the, the what's-his-name's on there, the doctor guy who's the clone uh, guy, yeah. right? And they're talking, there's the two guys on there and they're like true believers as well, the Empire. And they're talking about... The millions of people who died on board the Death Star yeah. when Luke blew it up. And I as was the, like, like, as everyone cheered, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Which is something that has been talked about in like fan culture. It's been in mm. books and stuff like that. There have been nods to this idea, but I've never heard it vocalized or talked about at all mm. in official Star Wars anything on screen. And so, you know, to 
to think about that from the Empire's perspective, as a true as a true believer, and know there were millions of people, probably friends and colleagues that you've mm-hmm. come close to as part of this movement, yeah. quote unquote. Of course, you're going to think of the rebels as terrorists. They blew yeah. up this city, mm. this co- continent worth of people. Yeah. I do enjoy just kind of this constant idea that people like. A ruler is a ruler and they don't care really. It doesn't really change their life all that much, whether it's the empire or the new republic. It's just people telling them what to do. And that every time we see these like new republic people, they're just space cops. Yes. And they don't really want any, like Mando and Car and stuff don't, until she joins, don't really want anything to do with them because they're just like other people that are there to tell them what to do. Yeah. 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 And that is, if that's where they want to explore like this in-between period uh, between episode six and episode seven mm. of the movies, and you want to talk about like what does it really look like when the empire's gone and the rebels or the new republic are being installed, and like is it that much different? What does that really mean? Mm-hmm. That's I'd be fascinated by that. Yeah. I mean, there is a distinct difference between people blowing up Alderaan and doing Operation Cinder and stuff like that. The rebels are not, or the new republic are not doing this shit, but they yeah. are still space cops, yeah, as you said. <laughs> yeah. Um, anything else? Uh, every time I see Amy Sedaris, I'm very, very happy. I love that character. Yeah, she's great. Her and her cute little droids and like gambling and like that cantina thing. I just, I just very much enjoy her. It also and because- she has a fun, like bouncing off of um, the dryness of Mando that I love. This again is where when I say I want Grogu to sort of stay as part of this story, I need some of that cuteness, dorkiness. Mm-hmm. Like, you need that energy too. It yeah. can't just be stoic, cool guy all no, the time and absolutely. surrounded by other stoic, cool people. No, that's like, very boring. boring no real that. quick. Yes. So, Amy Sedaris, you know, pitching in to do that sort of like heavy lifting comic Love it. stuff yeah. is great. And just kind of making fun of him and it's, it's just absolutely. Um, I really liked, I assume it's animatronics of the frog lady head. Yeah. I, I love that. I, I thought she was so, I mean, I was very attached to that character who's only... It very much is in episode two, very much only. Well, two episodes total. She's in episode three. Oh, at the very beginning. Oh, that's right. She looks after Grogu. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. But this weird frog lady, and I was, I just fell in love with her. Yeah. The way she's holding her backpack and like when she like used the android and. It was yeah. Just, oh, how cool was that? Way. It was just like, it was, I loved that character. And I know people were like, oh, you know, like that, that was a real filler episode or whatever. I enjoyed it. I had fun with it. And I thought the way the character looked and functioned was mwah, gorgeous. As a standalone, like, it almost ended up being a space horror, right? Hey, we got, yes. like, this strange character in the Frog Lady, this sort of, like, communication breakdown between her and Mandalorian mm-hmm. and Baby Yoda just being a chaos gremlin. And then mm-hmm. the awesome space chase that happened with the the X-Wings was fantastic. And then the spider alien that turned into like Alien or Aliens, the Mm. movies, um, and the ending was a super fun adventure. Like I I got to the end of that episode and I was like, if this is what the show is every week, I'd be totally happy with just being another little like adventure. It doesn't even have to tie into an overarching plot. That was so much fun to be a part of. Mm -hmm. And like, again, why do I care so much about Buckethead, Gremlin Kid and Frog Lady? Like, (laughs) There's not a single human face in this entire thing. I'm pretty mm. sure one's a puppet, one's CGI slash puppet hybrid, and one's a guy in a in a helmet. Like, why do I care? <laughs> but it does. It works. It does. Yeah. It. There is a little bit of magic to the show when there you, is. you have those moments. You're like, I don't know why, but 
I'm having fun. I'm emotionally invested. I feel excited by where we can go with this. Yeah. Uh, just a little things. I really, really like the design of Bo-Katan's armor and particularly her helmet with mm-hmm. the ornate kind of drawings on it. Just seeing different types of Mando yeah. armor gets me kind of excited. I well, really for the like longest that. time, Mandalorian just meant whatever Boba Fett had looked like. And even Din Djarin's armor is just silver version of Boba Fett without the antenna, basically. Yeah. Um, so I agree with you. I really like the differences there, the, mm-hmm. the shape of the, the visor and stuff yeah. like that. It's all very, very cool. Very cool. And my final one, very stupid, but just Grogu... Really wanting those macaroons in class <laughs> and getting them. That that made me, that was a nice little giggle in that episode. The amount of emotional weight done by the little screw off ball from the lever, mm-hmm. like having that little moment at the start of the Ahsoka episode that then leans into like, or maybe it's the next episode, but like using that to mm-hmm. like start to train Grogu and oh man. It's that sort of storytelling that really impresses me. It does so much okay. with so little. Mm. Least favourite and favourite episode. What was your least favourite episode, Damask? My least favourite is episode six, which is the Bubba Fett and Fennec. Chapter 14, The Tragedy. Yes. Um, it's I think because it it is all action, that episode, and the action isn't well done. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, I mean, I, I enjoyed most episodes, and it's not that I don't enjoy that one. It's just less than the others to me. It has the potential to really work too because you've got like baby Yoda or Grogu up on that thing at mm. the top of a hill and they're coming from the bottom and they're trying to hold them off. Like yeah, geographically think, yeah. it could be really compelling. There were also like moments of it felt like contrivances. Like mm-hmm. obviously Mando leaves his jetpack behind mm-hmm. and then something that really annoyed me was like how many times is Mando going to try and get through that force field and then he finally decides to leave and that's when Grogu that one annoyed me wakes the up. Most. That was I was just like, oh for fuck's sake. Like that <laughs> bothered me. Yeah. If Star Wars has taught me anything, it's that you should always take the high ground. He literally was standing there protecting Grogu from the high ground and decide to yeah. leave him. Yeah. Only because it was a story contrivance. Uh my least favorite episode. Well, I want to give a dishonorable mention to episode six for exactly what your reasons. I want to use this opportunity to discourage the things that annoy me in that action sequence was terrible. Uh-huh. For the same reason, I'm going to give my least favorite episode to episode eight, chapter 16, The Rescue, because I want to discourage mm-hmm. too much of this use of fan service in this show. Mm-hmm. It needs to tread very carefully yeah. going forward to not fall into... We had four major cameos this season mm. after having zero last season. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot, and I worry that it's yeah, it can yeah. overtake the show. Did you do you think probably not but just a thought that occurred to me but do you think that they wanted to see how Mandalorian was received before they were, were allowed to really yes. use yeah. a lot of these Part things. of me thinks because I, again I think that's I, yes sort of mm. I think they don't want to risk it all when yeah. you do your first season, right? So you start small and mm-hmm. you keep it simple and you hope that people like it and then it took off and they went, great, let's do all those things we talked about doing yeah. and they went too hard, too fast and they kind of spoil... My worry is they're spoiling the magic by doing that. They don't realise mm. that what they had was already good enough. You don't need to... Mm. You don't need to stack on your Luke Skywalkers to try and raise the stakes. Because that's the thing too. I think they... How do you go, where do you go from Luke Skywalker in this show? Well, I think that'll be it 
from Luke, Fucking really. Hope so. But I think, yeah, the first season was kind of like testing the waters. But now I really do think it's going to be like a companion piece like the Clone Wars and yeah. Rebels and all that stuff. So we will get a lot of known elements more we're gonna and more. We're going to get a more. Lando. We're going to get a Han. We're going to get a Leia. <laughs> I'm not joking. When are we going to see Chewie? Like we've already seen I, yeah. R2 how t- long until we see 3PO. It's like these things feel inevitable I'm now. I'm not sure... I don't think it feels inevitable that those things are going to happen. I think it felt inevitable with Luke Skywalker. Like you said earlier, I think in season one, is that he probably will be. It makes the most sense that he will be the one to pick up Grogu and to teach him. So in that way, that felt inevitable. Them, like Mando running into Leia or Han or Chewie doesn't feel inevitable to me. So I'm not really concerned about that. I think there'll be like cameos from people that we know, but I think they'll, I mean, I trust them to like make sense of it and for it to feel genuine. Well, that's where we differ. Yeah. Because <laughs> I don't, I did not feel that way. Because mm. I, I think about the other, again, I'm looking at this as, as an outsider, but I know for a fact that in Rebels, we got Obi-Wan, we mm. got Darth Maul, we got mm. Leia. These characters, because they were present yeah. at the time of they the where they were taking place, of course they show yeah. up. And so this is Dave Filoni again. This is Disney. It's the same group of people. Mm. Do people like Rebels? Yes. People like Rebels a lot. Ahsoka so, was yeah. a major part of that as well. Other characters from Clone Wars and stuff show up in that. But there is just, it seems like they cannot help themselves. Mm. They are going to find a yeah. way to, if the if a character was around at that timeline, they will find a way into this show one way or another now. And that yeah. was the, that again, that's a bit that worries me. It's like, it seemed like they were, they were keeping that temptation at bay mm. until this season <laughs> where it turns out that's not the case. Young Boba Fett was in, I'm pretty sure, an episode of Rebels as well. Mm-hmm. Like, these characters just keep coming back mm. into these shows. Um, it's just a, it's really a matter of time rather yeah. than a matter of if. Yeah. So I think, yeah, you That's might stop liking the show as much because I think that probably is their intention to probably, yeah, have known characters come <clears throat> in and out of the show. But again, it's like, because my favourite episode, to move to favourite episodes of the season, was episode five, The Jedi, mm-hmm. right? Because... I kind of feel like if if Luke was used the way they used Ahsoka, I mm. actually would have liked it fine. Mm-hmm. Come in, have his perspective, have his moment, have something to say, move on. Mm-hmm. Not be part of the resolution. Not be such a massive part of the resolution of that storyline. Rather, an inflection point in the storyline, mm-hmm. which is where I think, again, the little bits I've seen, they've used those characters well in the past. Um the episode of Leia that I watched, it's an episode. Leia is there. She's doing stuff with um, rebel troopers and they move on. She doesn't become a main part of the storyline. Mm. Do you know what I mean? She doesn't resolve a storyline for these characters. But she is there and they have an episode cameo with her, a story with her. We sort of check in and see where Leia's at and we move on. Mm-hmm. If we did that with Luke, we did that with Ahsoka and it worked great. Mm. Luke comes in, Deus Ex Jedi, and leaves. That's the bit that I don't like. Mm-hmm. He forced himself into this storyline and then takes off again, rather than organically works his way into the storyline. I'm not going to keep going about this. I've got to stop. <laughs> you do need to stop. stop. What was your favourite episode? The finale. Um, Damn it. I liked all the kind of 
pieces coming together at that moment, the tension that was building throughout the episode. I very much enjoyed the music was so well used. Um, I'm very interested in like the Bo-Katan and Mandalorian stuff. Mm -hmm. So, and they've got the perfect guy in Moff Gideon to be able to do those monologues. I thought like they were cheesy and stuff, but I quite enjoyed those like dumps of information because he's so good at doing that. And I'm, pretty fascinated as to where that story is going to go now between Bo-Katan and Mando. Um, I enjoyed watching the ladies run through all the stormtroopers. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked the fun of watching that um, p- right beside Mando struggling so much. Um, so I got the satisfaction of watching Kara like pummel the shit out of people with her gun. I love Fennec. I loved watching the Mandos kind of use their jetpacks within the ship itself. Um, that kind of stuff. And I I felt a thrill as Luke was showing how powerful he was. I uh, yeah, I I was thrilled by it. I was excited by it. And then when he arrived and that goodbye between Grogu and Mando it felt it felt like time it felt but also so tragic um I cried I loved it yeah that one um the re one of the things I liked about the the Jedi episode 5 chapter 13 a just Ahsoka was so compelling Mm. b what it did for the Grogu backstory Grogu the character Mm. the the Grogu and Mando relationship was so fantastic. And just the way that episode was shot was so good. Beautiful. What's crazy as well, though, mm-hmm. that was directed by um, Dave Filoni, who, as I've talked about, has been a big part of like these offshoot Star Wars things, TV shows and stuff. Mm-hmm. But he directed my least favourite episode last season. But he directed my favourite episode was, this season. Was that the one with Bill Burr? Uh, no, the last epi- season was the one with uh, the gunslinger guy in Moss Eisley. I don't um, remember that. I've blocked it out. It was a yeah. pretty nothing episode. Um, it was the other one with Fennec in it. Is where we're introduced to her oh, and okay, Amy yes. Sedaris That's and stuff. Right. Yep. Because they're the bits that you remember from the episode because they were cool. Yes. And the douche lord gunslinger guy was sucked. <laughs> um, oh, I do remember him now. Yeah, fucking hated him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. And that was Dave Filoni's episode last season and mm. I didn't like that one. So it was great that he sort of got to like redeem he himself this season. He got a cool this story, season. this one. Well, Ahsoka's his character. So it, yeah. I, I knew it it, as soon as she was there, I was like, this has to be delivered, directed by him. But um, it felt great. Mm. Uh, we've talked already a lot about what we think the future is going to be. Mm. What did you think of the post credit scene with um, oh. Boba Fett and yeah. Bib Fortuna, who's put on a bunch of weight and is now sitting in the Jabba chair? <laughs> <laughs> it's Which been a stressful cool. time. Um, I mean, everyone's kind of put on a bit of weight, though. Even Boba has. Boba has for sure. Yeah. Boba. <laughs> Someone yeah. said Boba fat. <laughs> <laughs> That's rude. That's mean. Um, what did I think? Because I didn't really understand what was happening. Obviously, I knew where we were. Yeah. But I didn't know they were making a TV show. I was like, what's this about? No one knew that. Oh, okay. So, the, a week earlier... They announced a bunch of shows, which I'm about to go through the list with you, actually, to see what you think about these. Mm. And they didn't talk about the Boba Fett show. They right. deliberately left it to be a reveal okay. for The Mandalorian. I mean, I hadn't even really looked at what they're going to make. I'd heard mm. people say, oh, they're making, you know, so many kind of like 
Marvel and Star Wars mm-hmm. properties or whatever, but I hadn't looked at it. Um, and then I, I, I watched it. I was like, and it finished with Fennec sitting on the the throne as next to him or whatever. I was like, yeah, I'll watch that. <laughs> yeah, I'll watch it. I'll give it a whirl. Yeah. No, I was, I was, I was like, fuck yeah, another Star Wars show. Why not? Um, maybe we'll leave that list for next episode when we go through mm-hmm. that whole Disney, massive mm. list of Disney Plus shows then. Um, before we wrap up, I just want to apologize. <laughs> <laughs> I think I got a little overzealous with my breakdown of that finale. Um, <laughs> probably did way too much talking. I'm going to look at the wave, the waveforms like, as I edit this and go, me, Jesus, a lot of me. It reminded me of those conversations we would have while drunk back in our... Page straight. Yeah. Back in our twenties. <laughs> and it would just end in a screaming match. <laughs> and I would usually just have to end it by screaming cunt at you. <laughs> yeah. Just oh, because he talks, doesn't he? My God, he talks. Can't anyway, stop. Can't once stop. once I've got that. Oh, God. You can't get away from it. It's I'm like sorry. the voice chases you around the room. No, it's fine. I, I love your passion, bro. Thank you very much for putting up with me and for listening to this episode of Hunting Seasons. You can find more of what we do via our website, huntingseasonspodcast.com. Our logo comes from Sean Kirkpatrick, aka at Shawnee Boy Draws, and our theme song and bumpers from Lucas Hile of Birthday Loyalty Club. Find links to their work in our show notes. You can also find myself, Broderick Gordis, on Twitter at bgordis, B-G-O-R-D-E-S, Damask. You can find me on Twitter at Maskymoo, M-A-S-K-Y-M-O-O. Next episode, we'll be back with an off-topic, hot-topic and 2020 wrap-up bonus episode. In the meantime, thank you again for listening. We will see you next time. Bye for now. Bye.